What's going on, everybody? I'm Flight Mike, and I'm here with... Mike Korzemba. And Get Like Coop. What's good, guys? This is the Laced Up Podcast. How are you gentlemen doing? How was your 4th of July weekend? We took a... Uh, I apologize for the week we took off last week, guys, but we're back. Yeah, so uh, a lot happened in my life. You know, I got the crutches right here, ruptured the Achilles. Uh, so yeah, I've had the I have I've had an, an eventful uh, couple of weeks. You could say that. What about you guys? I've been chilling. I'm currently on a diet to finally lose this uh, quarantine fat, and it leads me to have no energy a lot. But we're on the podcast, and I'm ready. So Team USA just took back-to-back losses. And, all right, so we lost to Nigeria. We'll say we because we're, you know, United States. Lost to Nigeria, lost to Australia. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Australia is actually, though, like, ranked number three in the world or something. So that's not as bad. But taking back-to-back losses is horrendous because I'm basing this off of what I saw on ESPN. But... Uh, as I was watching, you know, ESPN this morning, I saw that since 1992, we have lost four total exhibition games, and two of those have come this week. Yeah. So the thing about Team USA is historically we've always been dominating, correct? Except for you know there there were like aberrations here and there, but the impression that I was starting to get is that. The NBA doesn't want to send their like absolute best, like their cream of the crop, like best players onto Team USA in favor of some more of the stars of tomorrow and maybe some players that just need a little bit of a confidence boost. I, I don't think that's true. I, I, I don't think I, the star. Yeah, well, we got Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. We got Draymond. Damian Lillard. We got Dame. Dame. Kevin Love. I, I think I think just some of those older guys just didn't want to play. You know, I don't think it's because like we didn't. Which want is to understandable because wait, all right, before we jump into this, this fully Team USA, uh, I was looking at me and Tom, editor Tom, shout out Tom. Uh, we were looking at the start of next season currently. Like, there's no specific date slated. However, it said the start of next season they're trying to get back to where they were, middle of October. That is what it currently says if you Google start of the 2022 NBA season. So uh, we heard LeBron, we heard all these guys complain about injuries already. Like that's no downtime at all, especially if you're on Team USA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rough, bro. That's rough, no doubt. It's like they learn nothing from, well, I I don't want to say this is a uh, a direct result of what happened to Paul George when he suffered his uh, freak leg injury on Team USA. But it's almost as if like the NBA really doesn't care about preserving its stars. You know, like we've I think we've suffered the most injuries to all stars in the NBA this year since I don't know the exact year. For sure. It's I think around since 2010. I think the report um, that there was a report filed around June where it's not just stars. This was the most injuries that have taken place. And this is non, this is, this is just only basketball injuries or, you know, anything non pandemic related injuries, um, like, or like, you know, sitting out for that the most since it started getting tracked in 2010. Yeah. So to add on to what flight Mike was saying about, uh, us not sending like our best players, like who else could we possibly send outside of like Curry, who's, you know, Get who's who's getting up there in age and Bron and Kawhi who's hurt 
and Paul George, who understandably might not want to play for Team USA anymore. In my opinion, like, I just think the world has caught up and caught up fast. A lot of today's stars are international players. Like, I really can't think of anybody. Well, outside of Trey Young, too, I can't think of that many more players that I could possibly add to this roster that are like just big name guys. Yeah. Um, well, I also look at the roster and I think to myself, like, you know, it doesn't really make you feel like this is the absolute best we could have sent there. And understandably so, like you said before, there would be a reason why LeBron probably wouldn't want to play anymore or Curry getting up there in years. Typically, once you hit your um, mid-30s, you typically, or like your some people, your early 30s, that's when you stop going for gold with Team USA. But like, you know, you look at this roster and first of all, Devin Booker and Chris Middleton can't play because of obvious reasons. Andrew but, Holiday. Yep. Yeah, Andrew Holiday. And you have Jer you have players like Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, which nothing against Draymond Green, Coop, relax. Nothing against Draymond Green. I love Draymond. No, don't do that. I love Draymond. I love Draymond. Honestly, I think Coop right now is going, if only we had Serge Ibaka, we would have blown him out by 30. <laughs> well, for one, he plays for Spain, you know, just, just throw know, that out there. The just throw that out there. Just throw that out there. We're about to yeah. get annihilated by Spain. Yeah, I actually oh love it. I actually love Draymond's fit for Team USA because we just don't have enough defenders, man. Whoever put this yeah. roster together, do you have enough shot creating guards? Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, I look at the way the <laughs> roster is assembled, and it's like, how could you possibly expect these guys to coexist at the highest level? Now they're so talented. I think that eventually, you know, they. They get they get it together, but like we got guys like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, going oh. out there trying to be three and D players. You know, yeah. it's just it's not a great fit. Yeah, that like like it. You're for sure right. I mean, I think the thing is, Drew is definitely the best best defensive guard out of these guys. He's not playing right now, but like we shouldn't have to be relying on Drew Holiday to come in and save Team USA. That seems absurd. We have some good, you know, big man defenders in Bam and Draymond, but, you know, Chris Middleton holds his own. So also again with the Bucks. But yeah, like you said, a lot of just create your own shot, shoot first guys. And when you get into international play, like, I mean, I hope this isn't what happens, but this is potentially setting up a recipe for disaster. Now, to be fair, Nigeria did just annihilate Argentina. Nigeria is nice. They just and, beat Argentina, who was ranked fourth in the world, by 23. And they could be better, bro. And they could be better. Imagine if Giannis was playing for Nigeria. Imagine if Bam decided to play oh, for Nigeria. Yeah. I think Victor Oladipo yeah. is Nigerian, too. So correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. But, I mean, they have the potential to be an absolutely devastating team. And they're already dirty right now. With that in mind, though, like, if we're being real, like, okay, like... We could say the rest of the world caught up, but like this is a team that's relying on guys like Jaleel Okafor, like Ekbi Udo, I mean, Josh Okogi. I said that last name right? Okogi. Yeah, you said yeah, you said uh, it right. Precious Ach Achua. Achua. Guys. Pre you know, pre whatever. A bunch of guys that just being just straight up are NBA role players at best in some cases, or, you know, Josh is good. But I like I Precious mean, too. I like Precious too. 
Yo, honestly, honestly, I've got a, I've got a beef with Precious. He came down. It went, uh, it came down to like two or three final teams. St. John's was one of them, uh, and he, he spurned us. So you know what? That I took that loss a little harder with seeing watching Precious be good. Like Mike, did you see what Precious posted about Kevin Durant? Did you see yeah. when he posted? Yeah, IG? yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, no. Let me know, bro. Okay, okay, so Precious Filming. took to IG after blocking Kevin Durant in the USA Nigeria game, and you know that meme where the guy goes, "You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy." Oh yeah. He yeah. put that caption as he's blocking Kevin Durant. A Hall of oh Fame player, a guy God. that's going to go down as one of the best scorers, one of the best players to play the game. He I love that. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that to guy. KB, bro. I'm shocked that oh. Kevin Durant huh. didn't respond. Like Me that's too! Like, yeah, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I think if that were to happen in the NBA, he would respond. But with Team USA, I think there's such a winning culture of, like, it's just like, and again, like, you know... Guys like Stephen A got ripped for like you know talking about this was embarrassing. I don't want to say it's embarrassing or anything like that. I just think that Team USA is held to such a high standard that any loss is looked upon like very negatively. And so like I don't think KD that would he'd be in the right to you know attack back here because it's like yeah like he, he the backlash would be incredible. Like people would just be like, dude, you lost. You know, you're, we're Team USA. You lost. Just take it. Yeah, and um, I think international basketball is is ref way different than the NBA. So obviously, you know, a lot of these guys they haven't had to play defenses like this. Like it's like almost every high level international team is so locked in and has a continuity with them to where like they're making the right rotation. They're playing hard every possession. They're not allowing easy baskets. There were a few plays where guys like. Jason Tatum, who, you know, are supposed to be, you know, solid to good defenders in the NBA, are just giving up easy baskets on backdoor cuts. And I mean, the rotations and everything it has just not been there for Team USA. So I got a quick question for you guys. Personally, I think the game has passed Pop up a little bit, and I'm not sure that he's the right coach for Team USA. I'm not sure people are still buying in to Pop's game plans as they have, as they did like 10 years ago. I, my question for you guys is, do you guys feel like Pop is the right coach for Team USA? Mm, I, I, I think uh, I'd rather have Steve Kerr out there. Yeah, I do. I could see if, what you're saying. Especially with him as an assistant. Like, yeah, I could, I, I, I could see what you're saying, Coop, because I kind of had the same philosophy towards Popovich ever since, um, I guess, the second or third uh, like the third year of the Lamarcus Aldridge era and it wasn't like anything against pop I just think that his strategy is a little bit outdated and like he's even given me like at least some sort of undertones of hey like the game isn't what it used to be like very old head speak if you know what I mean like I remember he was quoted saying something along the lines of like the beauty of basketball is gone which I could see his point because like if you look at his prime teams even like his most recent championship team like the way the San Antonio Spurs would work for basketball shots and like the way the motion offense was constructed was beautiful but now it's clearly not as effective as it used to be now that there are more teams overly reliant on the three-point oh jump my shot. God. Wait, all right. Like go to ahead, add go to ahead. your point, I just was looking this up. It just adds to your point perfectly. 
I mean, the Spurs ranked dead last 30th in three-point attempts per game this year. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, I feel the same way about him as I do towards Phil Jackson, you know? Legendary head coaches, but their uh, philosophies don't really translate to the modern NBA anymore. Yeah, I yeah. saw somewhere that he played DeMar DeRozan um, a large. Uh, I, I saw somewhere that he played DeRozan a lot at power forward this year. And look, uh, you know, I'm not the, the best basketball mind out there. I can admit that, but I, I'm just not sure DeRozan at power forward would be the answer to any problem. I think uh, I don't want to say I don't like saying this. I, I never want to say this, but just looking at Pop, I think it might be time for him to hang it up. You know, he's been he's a free he's a legendary head coach, quite possibly one of the best. Um, and also you figure like with all that ball movement and, you know, that Spurs style of basketball, you figure like that style of basketball would be perfect for Team USA. Now, obviously, you want more three point attempts, but, you know, um, the way the international game is played, uh, it's not a one on one game. So, Pop, if you're like still that guy, now it's like the perfect chance to show what you're capable of doing with a roster that's incredibly stacked. I think tinkering with his offensive system, like I, uh, it's really funny because in the NFL, one of the like best head coaches or like the best head coaches are coaches that have been in the NFL the longest and have consistently like messed with their offensive playbook. Like I think of the Chiefs and Andy Reid, or I think of Bill Belichick who messed with his defense over the years. And those are the coaches that typically are the most successful. I feel like a similar approach has to be taken by Greg Popovich, where he has to just go into his lab, really tinker with his system. He's one of the best basketball minds in the uh, in, in the game. I have faith in him for doing it, but I do think there needs to be a change. You know, I'll say I don't have faith in him for doing it. First of all, I do have the DeMar DeRozan stats. So he played about, it says, uh, about 70% of his minutes at the power forward spot this year. Whoa. 30% at small forward. Shout out cleaningtheglass.com. Um, oh, did he just say 70%? He played 70% at the power forward spot. Now, the team was slightly better on offense, but also notably worse on defense with him at power forward. And as we all know, the team, you know, they were not in the playoffs this year. They didn't work out. So he's got DeMar playing power forward. Didn't work out. Um, I don't think that's a move. You know, what's actually kind of funny is I remember, I think Zach Lowe was really hyping this up in the beginning of the season because I think it was working at first, but it obviously didn't end up working. And so why I say, why I say that pop really, I'm, I'm not fully confident in him changing his coaching is that just, there's been nothing like nothing he's done would show us that. And you got a guy like Mike Krzyzewski at Duke and Mike Krzyzewski has always said, and he's been saying this since he literally was coaching in the eighties or whenever seventies, whenever he started, like uh, he said that he does not create an offensive system that he sticks to. He brings in talent and then he creates an offensive system based on the talent that he has, because of course, you know, especially, you know, in college one, you know, one year you might have a superstar point guard the next year, your best guy might be, you know, a pick and roll big, or like you have shooters along the wing and it's worked out incredibly well for Duke. He, Mike Krzyzewski is the perfect example of someone who's been able to go era from era to era and remain constantly great as a coach pop. 
and I don't really want to like we've been piling on him a, a bit at this point so I don't want to go you know too far because the man like is arguably not even arguably is one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time NBA basketball coaches for sure just with everything that he's accomplished but like Mike said, he did He did have that quote where he just was like, I don't really like, he doesn't love the way basketball is being played. And if you're going to fight against the way that it's being played, at this point, you're just fighting a losing battle because it's just not going to happen. Like, you can't be ranking 30th in the league in three-point attempts. Like, you you just see it doesn't work out. Teams, like for, for a great reason, are shooting the three way more. And it's kind of like we're in a situation like they couldn't, backtrack on him being the olympic coach but also it was definitely pointed out on espn that out of those four exhibition losses that we've ever had that three have also just come under pop so he is responsible for three of our four exhibition losses on team usa right now which blame the players blame what you want but that's just a fact so i wanted to uh Hopefully we are able to get it together. Hopefully by next pot we could uh, say some positive stuff about team. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, you know discuss some, make a little transition to the NBA. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but this morning, uh, one of my favorite sources, I think all of our favorite source, Champ Sharanya dropped a huge article on The Athletic discussing where the 76ers stand on Ben Simmons. And it appears, at least in my opinion, where like a week ago, two weeks ago, I would have said that the Sixers are doing whatever it takes to, you know, improve on Ben Simmons. They didn't want to sell when his stock and his value was at an all time low. It seems like it's a foregone conclusion that next year, Ben Simmons won't be on the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's as a result of uh, this quote saying that sources say that teams that have engaged with the 76ers about Simmons have been met with a high price threshold for the three-time All-Star and that they want an All-Star caliber player in return. This is consistent with another report that we got like two weeks ago from Jason Dumas that said the same thing when the 76ers turned down uh, Malcolm Brogdon and a first round pick for Ben Simmons. So what do you guys think of this? Do you think Ben Simmons is going to get traded? Who do you think can use Ben Simmons the most? Can I, can I make a point right before we jump into this is that I find it hilarious that Australia just beat us without Ben Simmons playing. He chose not to play. If he had been playing and played well and beat us, like the reaction, like he could have turned away around his public perception immediately. Literally, people would have been like, dude, Ben Simmons just crushed us. Like, oh man, you know, he puts up a triple double, like 15, 10, and 10. And like suddenly the Sixers are going, yes, Ben, yes, get us our trade value. Yes. But instead, you know, of course, he chose to focus. I think very correctly on his own game. I just like, I think it's hilarious that we literally just lost to Australia without Ben and he had the chance to be a part of beating us. And it would have just, <laughs> would have given him a you know, nice dirty. buzz publicly. Yeah, it would have been funny. 
Is he focusing on his game though? Like, I don't mean to be. Well, cynical, I mean that's what he but... says. Who knows? Yeah, we, I'm just gonna can't. take his know. word for it. I'm just gonna take his word. For it. Uh, he's yeah. We don't. Why shouldn't take his word for it? I understand. Yeah, I, I look. I understand why you wouldn't. He's been saying that for the past four years, bro. The past four years, this man was supposed to come into the NBA with his jump shot. If I'm Ben Simmons, I'm creating a Twitch channel. Like, no, he already has Twitch. Right? I am just live streaming my shooting workouts every day on Twitch. Hell just, no. Just, Hell no. Do you just know the so clips that, that would knows. come from that? Hell no. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that would be some content. Exactly why I wouldn't do it. Like the internet would go crazy with those Ben Simmons clips. Yeah. That's I what, mean, I would love it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping he's really working on his game. Uh, I've, you know, I've maintained ever since the debate, Whatever happened during the NBA, uh, during the Eastern Conference Finals, or sorry, the Eastern Conference Semifinals, um, I maintained that the way that it, everything went down and the way everyone's reaction to Ben afterwards, it just seemed like he had to go at that point. And it's just, like this really was before any of this even happened. You know, there was a ton of buzz where it was like, if this isn't the season with Embiid and Simmons, like maybe break him up because it just hasn't been happening. And I don't think you could have possibly picked a worse way for Ben Simmons to like go out and play in that series. His free throw percentage was awful. His last game, you know, he had that, you know, the pass where that will never be forgotten, probably passing up that dunk. Uh, you know, so I think that they will trade him. And I think that there are plenty of teams that are willing to trade for him. Now they want an all-star caliber player in return. That to me is very interesting because that removes the warriors or any from consideration. And so instead we've got, we're looking at teams like the blazers, Dame fans. I know, you know, you're already hating on me for bringing up Dame in a trade, but we got the Blazers. We've got uh, the Timberwolves with maybe D'Angelo Russell, which I also want to point out. Some people are getting all right. Everyone needs to understand Ben Simmons' trade value is not like at the floor or anything. He, the man, is going to get traded for a good package. Like they turned down Malcolm Brogdon already. We saw that. Like he's going, and teams are still actively interested. It wasn't like that turned away teams. That is telling. Once Malcolm Brogdon got turned down for Ben Simmons and everyone is still very interested in making offers, that shows where his trade value is at because teams are still trying to then one up that Brogdon offer because they know that that was already said no to. So I'm just saying Ben Simmons trade value isn't as low as people are making it because I'm seeing articles out here that are just straight up nuts and like disrespectful to Ben Simmons. People are trying to sit, somehow say that the Timberwolves can acquire Ben without giving up either D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Edwards. They think that yeah, that uh, he's going to be traded for like Malik Beasley and some stuff. It's like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, so with with Ben, um, I don't, you're not getting Dame. I can't believe you said that. You're not getting Dame for Ben in like no reality. I, I didn't say that they're going to get Dame. I'm just saying that that's like a name. That you were like, I'm sorry, Blazers fans. I said, I'm sorry, Blazers fans for mentioning Dame, but. You didn't have to I mention mean, Dame. You did that on your own accord. They're not getting Dame. I don't think it's the crazy. I don't think it's the craziest. That's crazy. The, that's crazy. The craziest bro. trade for Ben, Maxi, and Thibel. 
Yeah, like, no, no, I don't think it would be that type of trade. I think it would be more along the lines of Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons and, like, future first round picks like three or four years down the line that are like unprotected that will like screw over like very similar to what happened with the Clippers and Paul George and the OKC Thunder trade I feel like that would be a trade that the Blazers would agree to mainly because they would be better with that trade as opposed to just holding on that to doesn't Dame. make sense though they're not going to be bad anytime soon like I, I just I mean they're stuck in purgatory right now bro but no, like, if you give the if you give uh if you give the 76ers Dame and Embiid, yeah, we're counting rings. Like they're not gonna be bad anytime soon. Embiid's like what, 27 years old? Like Dame's like Dame's turns 31 tomorrow. And he's gonna be good for at least like four or five more years. Embiid's gonna be good for probably like another six or seven at least. Like they're not gonna be bad anytime soon. I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm, I'm, I'm saying also it could not I mean Embiid could get, go down at any time. Yeah, I, he could. But if you're relying on that in a trade, like you lost, and like, like that's why I said Maxine Thibault. It's not relying also, on yeah, probably first round picks. Yeah, I'm saying like it is a. a I think it is a trade that makes sense. Um, I think it's a trade that like Daryl Morey would for the. I'm sorry to cut you off. Like I've been doing it a lot. I'm really sorry. But also for the Blazers, I think you want a younger asset than Ben Simmons. I mean, yeah, that's like, fair. With Ben, you're gonna. You're gonna have to win fairly soon. So if I'm them, I, j- I just want to go younger. I'd want a younger. Would you star. rather them go with the Warriors package? I I, I don't know because Dame is really hard. Like it's yeah. like, so valuable that it's like, what do you actually pull the trigger on? Like Warriors package, like that means you better you better hope, like you better be believing that James Wiseman's a future All Star if you're trading that and. Then if like you know, there's been Knicks talks with R.J. Barrett. Well, if you get James Wiseman, then what do you do with Joel Embiid? You can't play them with. Uh, you can't play them together. No, I'm talking. So, I'm talking Dame for. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking Wiseman. about the Sixers. Yeah. Um, no. I mean the Warriors. Um, if I were if I were the Trailblazers, if I'm any team that is even remotely considering a rebuild. Um, I would definitely hit up the Warriors immediately because there are times where like a lot of times I feel like teams just look at potential trades as like backup plans or like not the most ideal scenario. But in the case of like Damian Lillard, I do think it's in the Blazers best interest to move on from Damian Lillard for a trade package around like Wiseman two for two lottery first round picks and Andrew Wiggins or and Kelly Oubre, I think they. And then need you to, get what you can out of CJ too, and you know you're completely rebuilding. I mean, I feel like Blazers fans just don't want to hear this. I was even talking to a Blazers fan uh, recently, and like I was just like, "Where do you where where do you go from here if you don't like if you don't blow it up if you don't like what like how do you make your team better than the Nets and every other team that is a contender for next year?" And I don't have any answer to that. No, most definitely not. Um, well, I think you just want to make your team as good as possible. And uh, I think a big step in doing that, we've talked about this a few times. I think a big step in doing that would just be getting off those picks. I'm not trading Dame until I'm like five first round picks in debt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not trading Dame until I made sure we've exhausted all avenues. That's just me personally. It's really funny because... Um, and uh, I guess this would officially be a transition. Um, 
I don't know if you guys heard yesterday, but the Warriors have had discussions about trading for Damian Lillard. So he's definitely like one of the top guys on their list. Um, and obviously, we mentioned it multiple times. They have that seventh pick. They have the 14th pick. If you're the gold, uh, they have James Wiseman. They have Kelly Oubre. Andrew Wiggins is a great salary cap filler. If you're the Golden State Warriors, what would you say is your wish list for stars that you could potentially acquire via trade this offseason? Would Damian Lillard be a guy that you would – would he be like the top guy on your list? Because a backcourt of Damian Lillard and Steph Curry would be absolutely terrifying. Or would you think that this doesn't necessarily make as much sense? Do you think that this is just – something that Steve Kerr and Bob Myers had a 20-second conversation about, or do you think this is something that could actually happen? Mm, I don't know. Um, I like I I definitely would love to see Dame and Steph play. That'd be incredible. Of course, there'd be defensive concerns with, with that backcourt. Yeah, uh, but, but at that point, they're so uh, good that... You yeah, just, they're so good yeah. that, yeah, that's like that's not a normal defensive concern. That's not like going, okay, Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, or like LaMelo. Yeah. You know, you remember when Minnesota was like, all right, LaMelo and D'Angelo Russell, who can they guard? It's like, all right, well, no one's guarding Steph and Dame both, so like you're, you're at an advantage no matter what. I mean, I think from the Warriors, my plan 1A and 1B is Dame or uh, Bradley Beal. Because I agree. Uh, Bradley Beal, though, has a player option after next year. Dame is locked in for like five, four or five years or something. So, you know, Dame's locked in. Bradley Beal, I think if the Wizards want to go that route, you know, you yeah, I do that too with the Warriors. The only thing is you can't, uh, like, I mean, you could get probably a verbal commitment from Bradley Beal, but I don't, nothing's being put in writing. You know, if yeah. you make that trade. Yeah. yeah. So my question is, you know, I don't think Kawhi is available. Or I, I don't want to say I don't think he's available. But I think Kawhi likely resigns with the Los Angeles Clippers. But my question is, would you rather Dame or Kawhi if you were the Golden State Warriors? Um. Well, in terms of fit, Kawhi, obviously. But um, I think in terms of what's the most realistic, I'd have to agree with Korzemba with Damian Lillard, the one thing that everyone omits every time there's a rumor surrounding him is the man signed a Supermax contract two years ago. It begins this year. He's there for the next five years. Like until his age 35 season, Dame is going to be on the Portland Trailblazers. He could be held there against his will if the Trailblazers wanted to do that. Um, so I don't know how he would force his way out. It's a little bit sticky. It would have to, you'd have to provide so much value to the Portland Trailblazers that it's like an offer that they cannot refuse. Um, or he just, or he just, you know, hits up that club life, becomes best friends with a rapper, and starts missing team practices. The fat suit. And, Don't forget the fat suit. And yeah, yeah. Put on a nice little sumo, <laughs> like, you know, go to a Halloween store, get a sumo suit, put that over your basketball jersey or under. And boom, you're good to go. You'll be well, traded. You'll be traded. You'll be traded for pennies. Well, James Harden's contract situation was a little bit different because in the case of Damian Lillard, we're talking about a guy whose contract like expires in four or five years. Um, James Harden's contract expired at the end of next year. You know, he he had two years left at the time that he was being traded. So yeah, but you know what? I think I think in the case of Dame, I think. Like Portland would like do right by him. I think if he was like, listen, I've been here for this long, 
I want. I really want to just go at this point. I think that they would make that happen. I think realistically, what's going to happen is the Golden State Warriors acquire Bradley Beal in the offseason. And the main reason being, and I hope Warriors fans don't crucify me for this, and I hope I'm wrong about this, but I've said this on the pod a couple of times. I don't know what I could expect coming up from, like, out of Clay Thompson once he returns. It's nothing against no him. Does, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's like, look, his game isn't based upon his athleticism at all. Um, and I think this is the first time we've seen a situation where, you know, Clay is mainly known for his incredible ability to shoot. And now you're getting a guy who just absolutely like his like over the past two years, an ACL injury, an Achilles tear is coming back from those at the same time, both of those. But that's not really his bread and butter. It's his ability to shoot. So how many minutes per game could you expect from Clay Thompson? Could his role be significantly reduced? Now, maybe he's a 20 to 25 minutes per game type of player. Maybe he's more of a sixth man now, which is okay because he's still one of the greatest shooters in the game. So I feel like in that instance, at that point, acquiring like a Bradley Beal or a Damian Lillard would be in their best interest. Um, maybe another route that they could take, maybe, I don't really know if the, if, if um, the asking price is fairly low, I could also see Kevin Love potentially if the asking price is low for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, doesn't he have a fat contract too? Uh, it's let me see when it expires. Well, if we're it talking about like when it expires, then well, it would be it something matter? like it'd be something like Wiggins and Ubre, and maybe like uh, or like I think just Wiggins alone. Yeah, just Wiggins alone matches the salary here. You slide Ubre into the small forward position. You have a guy that could play center and stretch the floor great rebounder they're, they're their know. best with Draymond at center like they were like 15 and 5 when Wiseman went down I'm not sure I'd want to bring in Kevin Love to I don't trust Kevin Love at all like literally do not yeah I would I would rather just you know keep my assets and you know hope for a trade for next year I, I mean like 15 and 5 with Draymond's pretty good I'm not bringing in Love to move Draymond around or to add yeah. another big um, to the concoction. That's not. That's just what I'm doing. I'm not doing now. To talk about so, uh, Clay a little yeah. though, uh, I gotta say, man, um, tearing the Achilles is like some scary stuff. Like uh, I have like a newfound. Like I always respected players coming back from injury, uh, but now like I just have like a crazy like respect for players now. Like whenever I'm walking, like I I just I, uh, whenever I'm crutching, I feel like I could tear my Achilles in. You know, I'm just like so like. Uh, I feel like just like this situation is like just changed my life and it's going to change how I play basketball, honestly. Like when I go back to the gym, obviously I'm not an NBA player. When I go back to the gym, I'm not going to be cutting hard. I'm not going to be jumping my highest, you know, yeah. it's it's like such a mental obstacle. Like there's like a hurdle that you legitimately have to overcome. And for Clay, for somebody that's faced like multiple major injuries, you know, I just really hope that he's able to bounce back and you know clear those hurdles and clear those those obstacles because i mean it's some serious stuff man well they said that they they've made it clear that they're going to you know hold out as long as it possibly takes but then you know like we you just never know because you know who knows like once you start actually playing on an nba bas in nba basketball games until 
you've got like you know a solid 20 30 games under your belt like you don't know if that's gonna hold up you don't know how he's gonna play and yeah i mean yeah i really i would dude bradley beal to the warriors would be sick dame would to would be sick i think the warriors are going to be making some move um do you think there's any possibility of ben simmons to the warriors i mean i was that's trying to ben think Sim- no not to the Warriors. So the, i mean to the wizards to the wizards oh uh, i was thinking about that if you do that then you got to get Russell Westbrook out of there too. You know, like I don't see Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook really being able to well, share I think a if they move together. Beal, then they're trying to move Russ as well. Yeah. Do you think, um, Westbrook, do you think uh, Russell's tradable right now? Yes, most That's definitely. Question. I, th- I definitely think any team would happily take a flyer any on Russ. Any team would happily take on Russell Westbrook. As a I Russell mean, like, Westbrook let- fan, I don't know if that's true. All right. That's a, I, I would not want him in the Bulls. You, why yeah, wouldn't but, you want him on the Bulls? I mean, because that's not where we're at. Like, literally, we're like, I'd rather yeah. just let our guys develop instead of having Russ. Yeah, with all due respect, it takes a certain type of team to go in and get Russell Westbrook. What contending team would like, like, you, could you see going after Russell Westbrook? And he's got 44.2 mil next year and then a $47 million player option for 2023 that he'll definitely accept. I would say, um, trying to think of like point guard. The Lakers. (laughs) Bro, what's up with you and thinking uh, the Lakers are going to get everybody delusional? That was literally the title of our podcast two podcasts ago. (laughs) What's up? Yeah. Russell Um, the Lakers. So we can't can't not include the Lakers and back off completely. I wanted to bring up, there's like multiple other trades in this article that just caught my eye. Um, one that pertains to the Pelicans and that involves both of your favorite teams. So first of all, the first part of this is that the Pelicans are planning to hire Suns assistant and former New Orleans Pelicans player Willie Green as their, ne- as their new head coach. Yep, we got our guy. Um, love it. I love it. Uh, I nice. love it. He's young. Play and you know he's young. He's played in the NBA. He was part of uh, Golden State Warriors champion, uh, the Golden State Warriors championships in 2017 yeah, and 2018. He's got the respect of uh, Pelicans players, apparently, and a lot of players around the league. So, yeah. Um, and then right underneath this is a Lonzo Ball update, and this update was fairly consistent with some of the stuff we were saying back when we were like in our early stages of the pod when we were talking about the trade that. Uh, trade deadline or players that are about to get traded um and that is that new orleans is unlikely to match a significant offer sheet on lonzo ball so i'm sure this sounds very familiar to you guys because we discussed this way way back and this is consistent the bulls and clippers are expected to be among the teams interested in him um guys corzemba do you want the bulls to have lonzo ball sign him this is Tough internal. No, player. no, 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 no. All right, I tough. want him. I want him. Yeah, I, want him. I know. You know. I know. I know. I believe. <laughs> I believe in Lonzo. I want to see. I. I think. See, the thing is, for our team, I think he fits in really well, especially if he can. You know, Coop is low on his defense on his defense, but if he could, you know, go back to his own, you know, defensive reputation. Uh, he he would fit really well. I wouldn't well say as, I wouldn't say I was that, low on his defense. I'd say he didn't have the best defensive season, which is understandable because our whole team sucked. So okay, 
Yeah. So th- I feel like that's a good fit next to Zach more because he's well more willing to spot up. He's more willing to, you know, like Zach initiates the offense from the two. And then we've got Lonzo, uh, who's been decently knocked down. You know, he's improved his shot a lot. Actually, recently, I saw a bunch of clips of Lonzo. Uh, he was trending on Twitter where his jumper was looking nice. Like, I mean, we see we see that every year, technically. You know, like we do see the Ben Simmons thing every year. However, when it comes to Lonzo, we have actually seen improvement. Yo, so, 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 so just well what happens to Kobe White? Just forget Kobe White? What are we doing, man? What's going Dude, on? Kobe White was already benched and was our sixth man with... Thomas Satter So you're just throwing him away. You're just saying forget I'm that I'm not saying train. throw away Kobe White. I'm saying that, you know, play him at six men. He, him and Zach turning are, Kobe White. Oh. Him and Zach are too similar. Then you trade him. They can't play together. They cannot play together. It doesn't They've tried. It's we've been trying. I guess you could keep trying, but if you have just two score first like like get their own guards, it doesn't work. You know it's really funny. It works better um, off the bench. Do you remember when Kobe Depends White on was the guards, drafted? What's up? Uh, you remember when Kobe White was drafted and they interviewed him and they said, how do you feel about Cam Johnson going uh, number 11? And like he gave us that like meme worthy moment. He's like, that's crazy. Oh, my God. And do you, have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like my boy. Like he got so happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's kind of funny. Like Cam Johnson so far has had a little bit more career success than Kobe White has. Um, well, for sure, out of he's just playing on an actual team. Well, yeah, but like, you know, back then, if you said the Suns are going to be an actual team, people would have laughed at you. Um, like Kobe averaged 15, uh, 15 and 5 this year with four rebounds. Like, he, he had pretty good numbers. So, I mean, and you're, not, and, you're, and you're saying bring him off the bench, man. You heard well, me. I'm not saying it. The Bulls themselves are saying it. We literally, before Zach... You're before reiterating Zach, it. You just said it can't work. You're hurting my feelings, man. Before Zach went... Before, like, before Zach uh, had his whole COVID protocol thing, Kobe was benched. And we were starting Th- Thomas Sadaraski just because we had no one else and wanted a pass-first point guard that would play off of Zach. And Kobe, like we wanted in the sixth man role. Then Zach went down and Kobe played really well at times, uh, still starting without Zach. He plays well without Zach. I'm not at all saying anything bad about Kobe in that. I'm just saying those two guys do not seem like they fit together. So you think Lonzo Ball would be a better fit? I definitely think that they would be a better fit in the backcourt, just playing off Zach. If we're going to make Zach, if Zach... If Zach Levine is the Bulls franchise player and we are banking on that as our guy, then yes, you. I would rather have well, a guy like Lonzo. Also, Nixon. to be fair, Kobe White's hella young. He's only 21. I mean, there's a chance that he does develop that chemistry with Zach Levine. And if you go yeah. out and you pay Lonzo Ball, I'm not saying it's like a giant F you to Kobe White, but obviously you feel some type of way about them playing together. And obviously that kind of seals him into that bench role that seals him into that six-man role there's but not I also a lot of like room Lon- i also like lonzo and yeah I, and, I kobe, that, and i get that and i get that and i get that he's an asset though like Co- you could view kobe as an asset as well like you know six-man role yeah but like, if you lock like, him in as a six-man as opposed to letting them grow obviously his value is going to go down a little bit especially I, teams are going to be like still well, average like 28 to 30 minutes a game i, I don't honestly, think it'll go down as much as you think 
Hopefully, but I mean, it's it's no secret that bench players, uh, their their value is typically lower than starters. And if teams see that you're valuing this guy as a bench guy, not saying it's a bad thing. Well, also you have to keep in mind that Zach is a free agent next year. Like we the the clock is ticking on that. We can't just lose Zach. So if the Bulls if the Bulls believe if the Bulls believe that. Lonzo is a better fit and will make Zach happier next to him, then that's what they'll do. You know, like no, no offense to Kobe, but we have, again, you know, Zach Levine is out here this All season. Right, so what do you 27, do? five and five. All right, Chris. But so what do you do if Zach likes Kobe, wants Kobe, but Zoe's the better fit? What do you do in that situation? Then you just do what Zach wants, but that's not the case. They would not didn't say it was Kobe. the case. Didn't say it was the case. It was just asking a hypo. Just just presenting a, hypo, a hypothetical. So you'd rather yeah, if, do whatever to make the player happy instead of like oh well, just not do whatever, but just in that in this instance where Zach is literally on an expiring contract. Yes, you like like we don't need to sign Lonzo if Zach thinks that him and Kobe would work out better. Then you know let him be. I think I'd I think I'd side with trying to win. But I understand why you'd want to keep that free agent, that potential free agent happy. It's also it's just an instance where it's like it's not like a Zion instance where it's like, okay, you don't make him fully happy. Okay, you still have time to repair that relationship. You still have time. Like this is literally a one season do or die. I just stand on a different side of the fence when it comes to uh keeping players happy and winning. Like I would much rather try to win than keep players uh, appeased or happy because players, I think, make the wrong decisions a lot of times. But to be fair, so do front offices. So, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't uh, it feel is like it is. doesn't fully go like, you know, like sometimes like keeping a player happy is what's best for, to get, make your team win. You know, like some unhappy for sure. An unhappy Zach Levine could easily lead to just a catastrophic bull season. And again, we don't own our pick. You know, uh, we I think we own this year's pick coming up. But the one after that, we don't own either. So we're really banking on Zach coming back. To talk some Lonzo, uh, to, to, to touch back to Lonzo Ball, talk about him and uh, his potential destinations. I have to assume with the Clippers, it's going to be a sign and trade. Flight Mike, do the Clippers have money? Um, the Clippers do not have money. As a matter of fact, like they are probably one of the worst cap situations that I think I have ever seen because they paid Marcus Morris a four year, $16 million contract last year. Um, well, 64 million in total. I don't know why I do that. Um, and then they gave the same exact deal to Luke Kennard. Then you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George signed to max contracts, and they were so desperate for point guard help that they traded one of the best contracts in the NBA and a player that perennially took a pay cut with them just because he wanted to stay in L.A. and Lou Williams for Rajon Rondo. That's how bad their situation is. So, I mean, you're, you're a Pelicans fan, Coop. Would you do a sign and trade for Lonzo Ball? Hell no. What are they giving us? What, what are the Clippers? It depends. On, I guess it depends on what they're giving us. Luke Kennard? You're not getting anything. What? They don't have anything. They don't have picks. They don't. They have Luke Kennard. That's who they have. That's why the Clippers thing makes no sense. They have Terrence Mann. I might like yeah. Luke Kennard, man. What? What you going to do about it? Okay, well. Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann? Hey, that might be a package right there. I think that would be the package. It would be probably Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, and 
also you'd probably get Zubac or Rondo. Those oh snap, Canard shot forty five percent from three, or Ibaka. It would 45. be one of those three guys. Yeah, so yeah. You know what, man, man, Canard, and then either Zubac or Rondo. Well, I don't know because you still have to pay Canard too, so I don't know. That's tough. But it's what, you're, you're paying up till two thousand twenty five. Yeah, so that's uh, tough. But it's sixteen million. What it used to be like is sixteen million per year. What it used to be. Like, like, really? Like, is that that bad? No, but that is locking him in as... Uh, that is locking it, him that's in. That's locking him in yeah. as the guy that you're paying that, you know, 15 million. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, it's not what it used to be, but, you know, that money yeah, does, I guess I'd is rather going just, to him. I guess I'd rather just draft a shooter, honestly. Yeah, I think that's why you guys are willing to move on from Lonzo Ball, because, you know, you're projected to... Now, I don't want to move on. From Zoe, but uh, I think you know that we might be in that situation where a team like the Bulls or the Knicks can potentially outbid us for what we want to pay. And um, honestly, that's a little that's a little scary because you don't want to lose Zoe for nothing. So I think, yeah, it always sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, we're about to lose Lowry for nothing. So you think uh, so? I yeah, I mean, dude, I. Do I? It's another instance of fit. Like once we made, like just our our one of the biggest problems with the Bulls roster this season was not like just pure talent. It was the talent did not fit at all together. Like if you yeah, take you got that team USA in a problem. vacuum, if you take Zach Levine in a vacuum, if you take Lowry Markin, if you take Vucevic, you know all these guys are great players. But you know you can't play Lowry and Vooch together. It doesn't make sense. It never. It didn't work at all. Uh, and so then they benched Lowry, and Lowry was horrible off the bench. He did not like being benched at all. So that's another thing. I'm pretty sure he has animosity against the Bulls right now. Here, here's the thing: if you're a team, how do you feel about Lonzo Ball? Like, are you buying the Lonzo Ball stock? Like, do you believe that his statistics going up and his game being stepped up this past year? Okay is going to continue or do you think he was just doing it because he's in a contract year so one one situation we didn't really talk about um with lonzo ball is him potentially going to the knicks it's no secret that there's mutual interest there um and i to kind of bounce the question back at you flight mike if you're the new york knicks is lonzo ball somebody that you want to tie your money into because the knicks have worked hard to get into this position They've worked hard to, you know, be a playoff team, to be a potential destination for stars and superstars. They're finally there. You know, people want to play in New York. We've heard Zion speak glowingly of it. We've heard, uh, you know, we've heard many different players call New York the mecca of basketball and say the Garden is a special experience. So if you're the New York Knicks, are you okay with tying that money up in Zoe? You know, I really like this because... I like that you mentioned this because about a month, no, about two months ago, Lonzo Ball came out and discussed his relationship with Julius Randle. And this is according to Sham Sharanya. And the quote was, when I was with the Lakers, we had a team meeting early on when we were losing games and coaches were getting on some guys. And then I just spoke up for my teammates and I said what I felt. And I think ever since then, I formed a really good bond with one of my close friends to this day. Julius Randle. I spoke up for him, and I think ever since that day, we've been cool. So it seems like 
a reunion would be kind of adorable. I also, I do like the idea of Lonzo Ball going to New York because one, you get the Ball family name. Lonzo Ball like is someone that you could hype up, someone that you could potentially sell tickets based off of. You could have LeVar Ball coming back saying all of his crazy stuff again um, now that one of his sons are in a large market again. Uh, I really, I think probably in terms of basketball, what intrigues me the most would be Imagine uh, just I want to see what Tibbs could get out of Lonzo Ball. You know, Tibbs has always been very big on defense, has always had like a gift with point guards or at least Derrick Rose. I really want to see what Tibbs can do in terms of Lonzo Ball's development. I and the Knicks have been interested for some reason, I don't understand. The Knicks are like in on every single point guard. They that's are. Available. They're in on every player, bro. It's so crazy. Like, if you see a rumor, you're going to see the Knicks like just trailing that rumor. Yeah, I think there's flex. Yeah, I think there's flexibility too in regards to sign in trades as well. The, the Knicks do have players that they could give up should, you know, the Pelicans want at least something in return for Lonzo Ball. Um, I like it. I really, really like it. Um, I think they're probably my favorite to sign Lonzo Ball out of every team so far. Well, what we're hearing, though, according to this article that we're pulling up from The Athletic, is that they are not focused on Lonzo Ball and instead are the most aggressive trade suitor for Colin Sexton. Says they are the most aggressive trade suitor out of every team in the NBA right now. Bro, it's so funny because it's like they're in on every single guard. It's like... Young bull, baby. No, they're in on everybody. Forget guard. The Knicks have been like rumored for everybody, bro. I love it for Um, New York. You guys. It's always been how it is, though. They're really always like, you know. Like, LeBron was supposed to go. You know, it's always been how it is. I... So, I actually like Colin Sexton you know there's two sides to Colin Sexton on one hand you can look at him as a player that was stuck on a pretty crappy team as a result he had the Kyle Kuzma effect he was able to pump his numbers way further than Kyle Kuzma ever was able to but 24 points per game 37 percent from three shooting um uh, 48 percent from the field four and four and a half four and a half assists per game so the problem is the fact that he's like a locker room. Uh, His teammates he's a difficult hate locker room like, personality to get along reason. with. Yeah, like, and it has to be way worse wait, than like they're letting on. Wait, he literally says, "Oh wow, okay." The athletics. All right, this is I'm looking at the New York Post, right? Um, Various Cavs players will grow frustrated by the way Sexton dominates the ball, and opponents taunt them by saying during games. You know he's not going to pass you the ball. No way. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Going, yo, he's not passing you it. Like, you know, you're 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 guarding someone, you're like, dude, I'm just gonna take a break right now. I know Colin Sexton's just driving, shooting, whatever. That's so crazy. I do that at LA Fitness, but I can imagine that happening in the NBA. That's so funny. Like, that's so funny. And what's crazy is like again, like we just looked at his stats. I mean, he's got pretty good shooting stats. I mean, his PER. Yeah, his stats are great. Low. Like at 18, but you know, offensively, it's kind of just surprising. He's also improving year after year, and he had three and a half win shares this past year, which is a huge jump. Like, all of his statistics are taking huge jumps. So, um, while also his usage was at an all time high this past year, 29.7%. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel like, based off of what you guys are saying, 
the Knicks, at least in my opinion, got to where they are based off of tremendous team chemistry. You know, like they got behind Julius Randle. They got behind all their players. They brought in Derrick Rose, which was great for the locker room as well. I don't think adding Colin Sexton, a guy that has question marks in regards to his ability to get along with teammates, would necessarily be the move. But if the Cavs aren't asking for that much for him, you know, if you could get uh, if you could get him for forget the question marks, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle and Colin Sexton. Who the, who's passing that ball? Like, that sounds terrible, man. Bro, watching, I, watching Julius Randle is like, a, just like, it's the most interesting. He might be the most interesting player to watch go to work. Like, he, the shots he takes and then makes are, I'm just like amazed. I'm like, bad shot goes right in. You, lo- okay. you got to love the confidence. You got to love the confidence. I love Julius Randle. Dude, I, when, I, when I went to the Celtics game in Boston, I got to see him. Uh, I got to see the Knicks, you know, of course, from New Jersey, and I only get to watch the Knicks and the Sixers, and the one game that was playing when I was in Boston was the Knicks, but um, I had to see Julius Randle go to work in person, and it was it was crazy. It was something. Like, it's even better than on TV, you know? Like, you're just watching this man. It looks like he has no business taking these shots, and suddenly, just he's just knocking them down. But yeah, you're right. Who's passing the ball? I'm not sure at all you would think they would be more interested in a guy like Lonzo especially like we said you know like uh, we were talking about his Lonzo's defense you know it's Tibbs like I'm sure he could get the most out of Lonzo's defense and uh Lonzo is not taking away much off the court like on the court like he's yeah letting, he's letting RJ and Julius Randle go to work yeah, he's gonna let uh, those guys continue to evolve and become the best version of themselves. Yeah, where... so that that's why that's my whole thing with Lonzo on the Bulls is where it's like I like that because you know you've got score first guys in Vooch and Zach, and so if you add a point guard who's not necessarily score first, more of uh you know playmaker and uh, defender, that works out perfectly. But with Colin Sexton, yeah, I mean for the Knicks, it definitely comes down to asking price because at the end of the day. They can just extend him like they unless they're getting, you know, an incredible offer. Like, I don't. Why would they not, though? Right. Like, do do you really believe Colin Sexton becomes a negative asset? I mean, I just don't know, because like it's not 2K, like we said earlier, like team construction matters, like roster construction matters. Like Mike said, team chemistry matters, especially for the Knicks. I mean, you know, it just takes one guy. If there was reports of Darius Garland is pissed off at Colin Sexton, that would change things, I think, a lot. Like, you know, I think the vets being angry, that's more, that could just be a situation of, of you know, the Cavs aren't good. You know, they have a bunch of guys that are like. But just, that's also know, out- the thing. The Cavs aren't in position to be getting rid of talent. Sexton yeah, exactly. is only 22. Yeah, that, like, yeah that's what I'm saying. Well, I, that's what yeah. I'm agreeing. I'm saying, like, unless it was, like, some crazy, like, you know, trade, like, yeah. I mean, like, unless you're getting for sure value. Now, what could be interesting is if they try to parlay. What do you think if they tried to parlay Sexton into the number one pick? Because a lot of people, that number one pick seems like it's being talked about as not like up for grabs i wouldn't say that but it looks like it looks like the pistons are listening i don't think there's a chance you know they haven't shut it down though i don't know man 
I'm shook. Like if you're I'm the actually, Pistons, I would like I would just shut it down. I'd just be like, we're not trading number one pick. I saw rumors that the Pelicans were trying to trade for Ja before like the draft or something, you know. So I, and after the draft, obviously the Grizzlies were like, yeah, we're never trading that pick. I think that could yeah. be like this could be one of those situations. Like the Rockets really want him. That's the whole thing. Disrespectful to Jalen Green, if you ask me. But I understand it is it is Cade Cunningham. Um, I, th- I think I think Kate Cunningham is miles miles ahead of Jalen Green. I think Green, he for sure opinion. has the biggest. Um, obviously, I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm not agreeing. But obviously, their best bet is to end up with Jalen Green and to have all these reports coming out about them wanting somebody else. Obviously, they understandably why. Like you understand why they want uh, Kate Cunningham. It's just not ideal. Like the chances yeah. of them getting him aren't great. You know and. When you're a high draft pick, especially number two, and you're somebody as talented as Jalen Green, I'm sure you just want to feel embraced by the team that's going to be taking you. I, I can imagine Kate Cunningham would prefer to go to Houston as well because that's like six hours from home. He's, he he's literally Arlington, embraced Texas. Detroit. We got nothing to base that off of. He's literally been like, yeah, he we're did, about to yeah, turn no, Detroit up. very excited. Yeah, that yeah, was actually, like, I, yeah, I think there was actually a report completely saying that he was that him and his like team or you know posse whatever they were very excited when detroit got the pick after studying some film on Cade cunningham like you know i remember the first time we brought him up in the pod i asked Coop what he thought of him after studying film on this guy i think he could potentially be like the greatest number one overall pick since possibly like anthony davis possibly if he fulfills his potential based off of like the skill sets he has skill set he has Coop, and the bag he has at your boy yeah for one I passing mean, zion would be just be insane like i, I, don't, I mean i mean that'd be, that'd i, I said he could i said he could be better than zion i didn't say he would but like i'm saying based off of like if you compare this to like the 2017 nba draft you know where Mar- people were hyping up markel fultz or you know the 2016 draft where people were hyping up ben simmons like Cade cunningham's bag is insane like you're talking about a guy that has the playmaking potential of Ben Simmons and the shoot, uh, the shot creating ability of Jason Tatum. That's terrifying. I'm I not sure can't... Anthony Davis was a better number one pick than Zion either, but time will tell with that for sure. All right, if you guys that's, got that's to this point in the podcast, I want to hear. I, I want. I want a comment section. Like, I'm not. I can't get into this. <laughs> I can't. Yo, ranking, I can't get into ranking, this. Like the last twenty number one picks would actually be mad interesting. Because there's a lot um, of debate going on there. So yeah, like I don't know. The number one pick, Anthony Davis, was like mad unpolished. Like he came. Oh in no, 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 like most definitely. Project. He was he was somewhat of a project. I agree. It was just like I think at the time it was like a foregone conclusion. Everyone assumed that he was going to develop. I don't know why, but everyone was just like, okay, like we could, like well, it's, there. it's because the way Kentucky played back then, um, they like were really team oriented and would. Calipari would specifically with like someone like Cat or Anthony Davis, he would be like, hey, he'd be like, hey, I know you could shoot the ball, but like, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this season, like you coming in and just banging in the post. And so then you got guys like Cat who can like, you know, do way more than what he showed at Kentucky, but everyone knew that and everyone saw that in like draft combines and everything. So the college stats were a little underwhelming for those guys at times, but also Anthony Davis led his team to the national championship and was completely dominant in that run. So currently, give me like a three, like give me like a top four mock, guys, real quick. How do you think this is this draft's gonna go? Uh, I think the consensus would 
I think would be uh, Cunningham, Green, Mobley, Suggs, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, that sounds about right. I would like that. See, that's the thing with the Cavs as well, is like giving up a Colin Sexton seems insane because it's like you just, you, you get Colin Sexton, you get Garland, and then you put Mobley in there. And you know, well, who you says they happens. want Mobley? Maybe uh, they're getting I mean, rid of Sexton because slotted. they want a guard. Okay, I mean, well, I mean, if that's the case, but that's where he's slotted right now. I mean, uh, no, nothing against Evan Mobley, but like, if I'm the Cavs and I have to take Evan Mobley number three, I'd be kind of bummed out because I feel like this is a team I that's mean, just been hoarding I, th- big men. I don't know. I think I think they are content with Jared Allen. I think. Them wanting to get rid of Sexton means they want to take a guard that they think they're going to get green or sucks. There was a report saying that the Cavs would trade Jared Allen. Well, no, insiders believe that the Cavs will trade Jared Allen if they land Evan Mobley in the NBA draft. This is according to Terry Pluto of Cleveland.com. Yeah, um, I don't think it's I also think Evan Mobley has a like has a much higher ceiling than Jared Allen, but if you're the Cavs, man, like in the past year, you had Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Larry Nance Jr. You traded for Jared Allen. Like, all right, man, enough with the bigs. You know what I mean? Um, man, I don't, I don't know. I think Jared Allen's going to be great. And I think he's already really great at what he does. Might be higher on him than a lot of people. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I think they'd be wild to give up on Jared Allen. And I understand the potential of Mobley. But I, I just don't know about that one. We're, we're talking about a guy that looks like he could be a potential DPOY, a guy that's six eleven, seven five plus wingspan. It could already uh, that's already showing signs of a jump shot. You know, one of the most efficient players in the league. Uh, he's Allen's great at what he does. We'll see definitely as the draft gets closer too. Like hopefully you know we get some trades or get some you know more uh, insight there. But so finishing off with this article because this article was just a treasure trove of information. Um, so, you know, recently Hawks owner, Tony wrestler, I hope I'm saying it correctly said after the season that he hopes the team reached a fair agreement with John Collins. He also said that something along the lines of he did not expect every single player on the roster to be back, which is scary if you're a Hawks fan, because that kind of sounds like he's not willing to pay like luxury tax kind of thing. I'm not really sure. I don't know his reputation, but those words are not the best to me. And so with that in mind, uh, John Collins, uh, we have another statement here across the league. Many believe Hawks forward slash center John Collins increased his value to as a maximum contract caliber player during Atlanta's run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Dallas, Miami, San Antonio and Minnesota are among the teams expected to show interest in Collins, believing he could be attainable as a restricted free agent. What do we think about that? And please go to Dallas. Um, well, looking at, looking at the uh, Atlanta Hawks payroll, I definitely think like their owner needs to sit down and just like shut up a little bit because you have, like you have Tony Snell that is, his contract is expired after this year. That's a $12 million salary that's gone. You have Clint Capella and their top three paid players are Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Clint Capella. Um, they have Lou Williams. 
amazing contract. That's going to expire after this year, unfortunately, though. Um, and then they have to pay Trey Young after the 2021 to 2022 season. So from where I stand, they pretty much have to choose um, between like how they're going to manage Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, and of course, John Collins. So, and that's where things get tricky. I think one of those players might potentially have to be traded um, and in order to make uh, sense for everyone to stay on board. But I think in this case, if you're the Hawks, you cannot lose John Collins. Like this dude, like you guys made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like you don't want to mess this up. This is your opportunity to potentially be a force over the next half decade. There's tremendous potential for this team. Um, they clearly have their right coach. Trey Young is taking strides. And bear in mind, this is a guy that was literally in his third season. I I, I don't see I, I understand what the owner's trying to say. Maybe it's a little bit of a smoke screen, you know, just so he could play hardball in negotiations, possibly, but there's no way they don't keep this nucleus together, bro. Um, maybe they'll so trade Clint Capella. If, maybe if Collins wants the max, you're giving it to him because Wait, that's you're what trading it's looking Clint like. Capella. That's not who I'm trading. Yeah, trade. yeah, you no, can't like, trade. Trade you can't Bogdan get rid of Clint. If you can, you can't get rid of Clint. You can't. Like those those yeah. are the twenty million. Yeah. Guys so so you guys mind. are paying Collins the max. That's what Shelly's saying. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like one of those situations where he's not. To me, that's one of the situations where he's not full max caliber. You know, he's not like one of the. He's not like all star level at this point. But you can't afford to lose him. Which sometimes that's like the worst situation that you can be in because then you end up overpaying and you get yourself stuck into a really bad situation. But I don't think that's the case here with the Hawks. I really like John Collins as a player with everything that he does. I'm kind of actually really confused by like our one of our first podcasts or like the conversation we had around John Collins because at the time it was like, oh, he doesn't remember we were talking. It was like, oh, he doesn't like Trey, like playing with Trey. Like, he, you know, he wants more like in the playoffs. John Collins was just like he was just willing to just fulfill whatever role his team needed to win. Loved to see it. Loved his energy. Loved his enthusiasm after. Seems like a great locker room guy. Seems like everything you would want out of a potential franchise cornerstone who maybe doesn't develop into you know a full-blown all-star. But when you've got Trey and you've got him, like you like comparing the difference between him and like Porzingis, like Collins is putting up less stats, but like I mean, it's just like it just the way that they play together just results in more wins you could just tell they're so much happier playing together you could tell the whole team was just happy i don't think you break this up at all you just had an easter conference finals run i don't know if they're so much happier playing well i mean obviously you know winning cures everything i think that's what kind of happened when they got going you know collins just kind of accepted his role um collins playing like other than that collins playing like how he played well that's uh, i respect that uh you know, but Collins playing like how he played was great for Trey, great for the Hawks, but it wasn't, you know, great for Collins production, obviously his numbers. But he's just so, getting offered a max. So how is it not great for I him? said for, for his production, for his production, yeah. not for his okay, contract. Well, I guess like for his production, wise, but like, yes, worked statistically. And yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I, lo I love Atlanta. They overachieved. Um, they're going to be good for a long time. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really hard for me to map out their future. I think Collins is great. I think Collins, in another situation, is easily an all-star. 
you know, if he's on his own team, if he's able to play uh, like he played for the Hawks in his earlier years, I think there's no doubt he becomes an all-star. You know, he's a, he's shooting 40% from the three-point line. He's one of the most efficient guys inside the arc. He's got a big bag. Uh, he's improved defensively. That being said, I don't know if maxing him is the move, especially when you have all of these guys to pay. I understand why you want to pay him. You just made, you know, the conference finals. You just accomplished something that was incredible for your franchise. But at the same time, it's it it's kind of obvious to me that they're kind of preparing for life beyond Collins when they drafted his replacement with the number three pick. And that replacement showed great strides in the NBA playoffs. This guy has gotten comparisons to Bam Adebayo. So when it comes to the Hawks, it's just like they're in a tough spot, but obviously good problems to have. Yeah, this this situation reminds me of the Oklahoma City Thunder situation, but I think it's a little uh, like earlier in this past decade where they had to choose between Serge Ibaka or James Harden. And clearly, like in hindsight, everyone's going to say they made the wrong choice. But at the time, it seemed to make sense, the choice they made, because, you know, James I, Harden. Was... I, I disagree, but OK. I mean, yeah, but hindsight's twenty twenty. No, 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 no like in... not talking hindsight. At the time they got there was still so many people that were disagreeing with the move. Either way, um, here's the interesting part. You have DeAndre Hunter, that's 23 years old. That could potentially take the next step next year. You have until 2022 to 2023 to really figure that out. You have Cam Reddish. That, by the way, dude balled out in the final game. Uh, Cam's his final gonna be game a dog. Insane. Yeah. I love Cam Reddish. I've always Cam's gonna Cam be Reddish. a dog. That was great. I, the fact that he could come back after all that time and let, uh, do that. That was shocking. I wanted shocking. the Pelicans to take him. I was so like I was so bullish on him coming one. out of the NBA at draft eight, because <laughs> wait because at number ten at number ten we had ten sorry I was I was always really skeptical about Cam Reddish coming out of the NBA draft because he like ever since his time in high school he's always had really good teams and when he went to you know when he formed that super team on Duke with uh, Zion and RJ another really good team so I was very skeptical about him getting drafted and what his career would be like. But I saw tremendous potential in their final game. He really stepped it up in that playoff series, playing playoff basketball. And I feel like, bear in mind, this guy's only 21 years old. He could potentially, like take the reins over from Bogdan Bogdanovich, potentially maybe fill in Lou Williams role a little bit more. It's tough because the Onyeke Okungwu thing that Coop said makes a lot of sense. They drafted a developmental big man um, who's, by I, the way, wait, only... I literally, I got to step in here. That man is a center. He played 100% of his minutes at center. John Collins yeah, you is didn't, a power forward. You, you didn't let me finish. Um, but I was going to say shoot, that. Like, that's why I'm just like disagreeing. Like, what, how, I don't see well, that as a replacement. See that? Maybe all right, well, a you, hell of a re replacement. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Either oh. John Collins or Clint Capella potentially. But the thing is, I think... The timeline. Also, bear in mind, Okungwu's six foot eight. Um, bear in mind, the tough part about this is a center doesn't really become effective until he's maybe like what 21, 22, a developmental center. So when could we expect Okungwu to start like filling a bigger role to the point where you can move on from like Capella? Uh, 
I'm not really sure. It's a very complex situation because after the 2021 to 2022 season, you have to pay Kevin Werder and you have to pay Trey Young. So it's really tough to figure out how to do these gymnastics. What's Kevin Werder's um, value on the market at this point? Yeah, so uh, a few things. Uh, so we should have taken, I'm not going to say we should have. I wanted us to take Cam at eight. That's where we picked Jackson. I love Jackson, though. Also, Krizimba is right. Uh, they list Okongu as a power forward. He actually does play a lot of his minutes at center. Um to add According on to, to that Bass, it's a hundred percent of his minutes yeah that's what i said a lot i mean yeah, yeah. i mean that's just semantics he plays a lot yeah. of his minutes as center so to add on to that i just i mean I, i'm not going to deny collins impact for the hawks i just think for another team his impact would be a lot more um and i'm not i'm not necessarily sure that's uh that's debatable because I think he could bring a lot more to the floor than what he did for the Hawks this season. Maybe his role continues to grow as maybe Trey trusts him a little more or, you know, something like that. But I think it's I think this is such an important time for Atlanta because I'm not sure they should overreact based on what happened this season. Um, like if you think them bringing back Collins and, you know, paying Collins the max and possibly, you know, offloading some of these other players is going to be enough for them to immediately stay in contention with teams like the Brooklyn Nets, like the Milwaukee Bucks, like the Philadelphia 76ers, then okay, yeah, go ahead and pay Collins. But if you're just not sure about the potential of beating those teams going forward immediately, then you don't want to just tie in. Um, you just don't want, don't want to tie all that money up on Collins based on, you know, what you did this season, because this season is this season, you know, it's in the books, it's over. And sure. But I'd say like, I'd say, you know, looking, okay, John Collins, he may have averaged, you know, like 14 and nine in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he was, you know, 17.6 and 7.4 shooting about 56%. 14 and know? nine in the playoffs. Just that's not, that's not max money right there. And that I, his I agree role, with that, but like his role in the playoffs just, is going to be his role in the playoffs. You're going to let Trey do his thing, but and you're going to probably stick Collins in a corner and tell him grab some boards and play some defense. Is that what John Collins is best at? No, I mean maybe that's not best with him stat wise, but for putting him on a winning team, like you know it worked this year, and like I don't see any reason why it wouldn't continue to work, especially if you can move. I don't think they should beat the 76ers. I don't think. They should have beat the 76ers. Yeah, but then everyone gets a year older. Everyone gets a, everyone has that playoff experience. Everyone gets a year better. And then uh you you bring in you now you have Cam and you have DeAndre Hunter coming back. Two young guys that are cheap right now. So it's I think it's I think it makes a lot more sense to move one of your other wings like Gallo or Bogdan, who you know played great in the playoffs, but I think they're both making 20 mil. If you can move one of those guys, I don't think you can John move Collins, Bogdanovich. I don't know if that's the move. He was big, man. They don't yeah, make but, the conference finals without gonna him. You're going to have to make room for minutes for Cam and for DeAndre Hunter. Like those are wings. One of those guys could be a six man, even if it's Bogdan. I, I mean, I mean, I'm uh, not saying one of them has going to be a six man, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, even with that though, if you got if you've got Herder, Cam. DeAndre Hunter, Gallo, and Bogdan. That's five guys. 
Cam is more of a guard, in my opinion, than a wing. He could play the wing, but I think he's more of a guard. I don't really think so. I, he's not really a playmaker. I don't think he's really a two guard. I think he's been like... A, uh, he's, he's versatile. He's versatile. You could play him in a, a lot of different spots. I mean, he's yeah. averaged 1.3 assists this year. I, I think he's more of a small right. forward myself. But I'm what I'm just saying is that you have, you know, you have five guys there. I think it's easier like to like, because then if you lose Collins, then what, who fills in that four role? I think I'm higher on John Collins than you are, I guess. No, I love John Collins. I just said he'd be a star on another team easy. I don't think you're higher on, on him. At all. I think you're higher than him on the Hawks than me. I think you're higher than him on the Hawks than me. But I think if you it. have a great player, you don't let him go. I don't think you... I, I mean, if there's somebody else that could fill... I'm not saying there is. But if there's like another play... I, I mean, DeAndre Hunter played power forward And if this interest... Too. Also, let me make this point. If this interest is here with him averaging 14 and 9 in the playoffs, then it'll still be there in two years if you have... If, if a guy establishes himself... As you know, like, oh, Cam Reddish comes on and, you know, you have to pay him a ton. Or DeAndre Hunter comes on and you have to pay him a ton. Like, John Collins, is, I don't think at all, would be an unmovable contract. You would hope so. Uh, his numbers could always continue to drop. I would bet. I would rather. I would for sure bet on John Collins. I mean, that's a guy I would, I would want. To yeah, play. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want to lose him in a perfect utopia, you know. I, I'd hope we're, we're able to retain him. Uh, that being said... I also like the lineup that a lot of teams run, where they run a guy like uh, where they where they run a small forward, a versatile small forward, a versatile wing like uh, a reddish or hunter at power forward alongside a big big. So that's also another option. Guys that can defend multiple positions and also replicate the fourteen and nine or whatever fourteen and whatever Collins gave you in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I yeah we'll I mean we'll see. I I, I like John Collins at the four still. I mean, we'll see what happens with Cam. He was he was up and down. He did have, you know, a good, you know, like one game, right? Or was it two? But definitely he had one good game. All right. Well, I've got to go. Um, so thank you guys for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Do you guys have any final words? I just wanted to, uh, you know, briefly shout out our earliest uh, members. I, I like doing these like verbally because you know these are the first three dudes to support us shout out to brandon scott off the bench tv ray gian thank you for joining on the laced up gold tier guys make sure uh, you check out our memberships because this is how you could get uh, access to our bonus podcast that we're going to start doing monthly and members only live streams that we are looking to start doing weekly